0: Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Good morning, Father's House. All right, all right. Yeah, let let, let me me start with this. Um, I need a little help preaching today, okay? So um, don't make me draw it out of you this morning, okay? Come on, give me a hand this morning with this. Oh, oh, okay. Well, that's cool. I appreciate that. Okay. So um, we have some great things going on here at the Father's House. Night of worship, a night of hymns, man. It's going to be fantastic. And we're going to start January off with some great next steps for you. One of the great things that I've always loved about the Father's House since the first time I came in and the first time that I ever heard Pastor Terry teach was he's always about a next step. You know, I used to tell people when I was working for the state, um, I told them, you know, I was going to a new church, and I would tell them, come and hear this man speak. And I actually use these words, And so don't, don't, don't get freaked out because I didn't lose my Christianity. I would tell them, take God out of it. Come and hear what this man says. Put into practice the next step that he is telling you and tell me if your life isn't better in about two or three days because he's always about moving forward, moving forward. Of course, I knew that you can't take God out of it. They would get all of the presence of God. So i want to show you this Bible this morning as we're going to do our Bible pledge. I know you're not going to really be able to see it, but this was my dad's oldest preaching and teaching Bible. I can't even hardly open it. The pages are just coming out. But all through here is marked. It's underlined. Brenda said something in between services. She was looking at it. And she said, look at that. There's tears and sweat of love just poured through here. You can see where the, the, the pages are stained. And I thought to myself, the word of God. He was truly a student of the word of God. And I want to challenge you as I challenge myself this year to really be a student of the word of God. So if you have your Bible with you, let's hold this up. We're going to say our our Bible uh, pledge this morning. This is my Bible. It is the word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Be a student of the Word. How many of y'all caught me sideways at 714 this morning? Anybody see me sideways? Awesome. All right. So 2020's kind of been a little sideways year, right? It's kind of kicked us a little sideways this year. So Uh, Thank you, Denise. Denise was so cool. She was like, Pastor Tim, you were sideways. You didn't even care. You just kept on, and you rocked 714. (laughs) So um, thank you, Denise, for that. We have been in a great series called A Season of Hope, and it is my hope that we don't take this teaching series and just keep it boxed up in the nice little package that we had for our Advent season, and then forget about it. I think that we need to live continuously in a season of hope. We continuously need to walk in the hope of our salvation, the hope that Jesus has conquered death, the hope that whatever we're going through, Jesus has already provided for it. God has spoken the answers to us. We need to walk in faith and live out those answers. So this morning, let's go over our um, definition of hope. It is the constant expectation that God is working. That's your first fill in there. Say that with me this morning. Hope, the constant expectation that God is working. I'd like for you to take this quote, excuse me, write it down, print it out, and put it somewhere where you can see it every day of the year. Mirror, maybe on the visor of your car, maybe on the refrigerator, and then personalize it. I'm going to do it something like this. My hope is the constant expectation that God is working for me. I want to personalize that. I want to say that. It's good for our ears to hear our mouths say out loud acclamations, positive affirmations, especially when it has to do with the Word of God. As we look at words today, we're going to look at, at how we spin phrases to each other today. Have you ever used a phrase that on the surface has one meaning? but you're really using it to convey a completely different emotion. Kind of the opposite of what that word is. And often, even if the other person doesn't get it, we feel good because we told them. Kind of like this, watch this. Hey, you're home early. What is in my living room? Well, looks like we've got another major purchase without spousal authorization. Here we go. Um, go ahead and take it to a level one and activate the stair. How much did it cost? Oh, I, I got a really good deal. It was free? <laughs> no, not quite. It couldn't cost much more than all those trips you make for coffee in the morning, though. No. Is that what I think it is? It is. Bump the southern accent up to 100%. We're at a level two now. I know you ain't using my good scissors. What, you mean to tell me we have good scissors and bad scissors? Yes. Oh, you have nothing to worry about. These are definitely not the good scissors. It took me forever to get that box open. <laughs> Unbelievable. How did you even find them? They are fabric scissors. There are at least five other pairs of scissors in this dang house, and you use my one pair. We're losing him. We're losing him. Take it to level three. All right. Initiating sarcastic pet name. Why don't you answer your phone, sweetie? Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that I should have asked before buying this. I just... He's actually picking up his phone. Come on! I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna press the button. No! wait and see what he does first. One second, and... Done. Sorry. So, we're good? Press the button. Yeah. We're fine. Hey, I'm starting to think something may be wrong. Says she's five. Yeah. All right. Can any guys relate? Anybody relate there? Don't leave me hanging up here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That's funny. Wow. So, you know, we all do that. Like the people in the video, we all use different phrases. We have our own phrases that we use that kind of kicks out a little bit of sarcastic meaning sometimes, mostly with a tone. You know, you got to have that good tone, like... You know, bumped up that Southern accent to um, 100%. And um, we do that to give an added meaning to what we want the person to understand. We say things like, like she did in, in the video, I'm fine, right? With that, that, that stare and that tone. Or here, here's one for all you good Southerners down here. Bless your little heart. Oh, just bless your little heart, right? Here's another one of my favorites. With all due respect, and then you say whatever you want. You know, shout out to Ricky Bobby there for any of you uh, Ricky Bobby fans. Or here's one, obviously, you know, we throw that that sarcasm in there. Or thanks, really don't mean thank you, thanks. Or yeah, or good luck with that. We really don't mean good luck with that. What we're really saying is, I know you're going to fail at that, and I'm glad about that. Or here's one, don't worry about it, usually followed by, I got it. You know, so we use these phrases because we, wanna, we don't want to be super rude, but we want to let people know how we're feeling most of the time. So for the next two weeks, we're going to look at a familiar story from John 11: 1 through44, "Lazarus raised from the dead." Now before I get into the, the, to the meat of what we're going to talk about here today, at the Father's house, we believe in honor. We honor up, we honor down, we honor sideways. And Today and next week's teaching, I want to let you know, were co-written by a Christian young man who has opened his heart and mind and asked God to reveal himself to him through Bible study and prayer. So literally, he said, God, speak to me, and then got in the Word and expected God to speak to him. So, Definitely don't miss next week because I'm going to introduce to you and interview our own Gabe Jackson. Y'all give him a hand. He's back there working on social media as he helped me co-write both of these teachings today. So you know the story. It's very familiar. We've actually taught on it a couple times here this year. Um, it's from John 11:1 1 through 44, the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. But today we're going to take a little bit of liberty with probably what some of the emotions and feelings that the players in here were actually feeling. Because as we read their statements, sometimes they, they, you know, I I read their statements and I'm like, man, they were like perfect. They were like these great Christians who had to be feeling pain and anger and sadness, but said just the right things. So we're going to look and take a little liberty at maybe what some of them were actually thinking today. And as I studied, I really figured that Most everybody in this story, including Lazarus, could have used a little more hope. So our first point today, and I'm glad that it comes from from the Word of God. This isn't from me. This is directly from the Word of God. And it's Psalms chapter 9, verse 18. This is taken from the NIV. And it says, God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. Let me read that one more time. God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. Somebody here today needs to really catch that into their spirit. For 2020, for some of you, has been a terrible year. For some people, it's been just a crazy year. For some, it's been an okay year. We've all experienced something in 2020, but somebody either in this house today or online le- needs to know that their God has not forgotten them, will not forget them, and has not abandoned them in 2020. <clears throat> I want to set the scene for you today. Well, I'm not going to go through and read all 44 verses. I'm going to kind of stick around. Just going to kind of set the scene here. So Jesus is with his disciples, and he gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick. Now, Lazarus is just not some acquaintance. Lazarus is not somebody that Jesus didn't know, and not like he didn't care about everyone. Of course that he did. But it wasn't like somebody came up and said, Jesus, my, my brother's cousin's best friend's sister's husband is sick. No, the word of God actually says, the messenger said, the one whom you love is sick. Now, if you got that call today, or you got that text today, you're going to respond pretty much immediately. What's going on? How can I help? Do you need some food? Can I pray for you? What can I do? I'm sure that's exactly what Mary and Martha expected of Jesus. But the Word of God says that he stayed where he was for another two days. We don't even have any words that he spoke back to the messenger, like, hey, be there in a day. Let him know I'm praying for him. I got a word for them. No, he just stayed. The Bible says after two days, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea. And they said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you. We can't go back. What they're really saying here is this. Jesus, are you crazy? We can't go back there. The Jews are trying to kill you, and that means they're probably going to want to kill us too. And then <coughs> excuse me, a couple of them are over here talking, saying, why doesn't he just speak healing? You know, like he did with the Canaanite woman. He just spoke. The Canaanite woman's daughter. Or the centurion's servant. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a good one, wasn't it? Or was that other one? The official in Capernaum. He spoke. Hey, why don't you, hey, you go tell Jesus that? No, not me. I'm not. Last time I told Jesus something like that, I got to stare. I don't want to stare. You go tell them. Now, you can't tell me. It doesn't say that in the Word, but they were human. These were the kind of emotions and, and that they were feeling as some of this was going on. But, you know, it's really easy to pick on our Bible characters. But how many times do we do the very same thing? We give God the way to answer our prayer instead of trusting that our Heavenly Father knows what is best for us and when and how to answer our prayers. Parents, I know that you can all kind of understand this. We don't say yes to every single thing that our children ask for. Sometimes it's no, sometimes it's wait, sometimes we put things on layaway, you know, and they have to wait for that thing to come out of layaway that they want so much. That's a really old concept with Amazon. you kids don't probably understand nothing about layaway. We, we used to take things from a department. I'm, I'm going to break it down to them. So, okay, right here, this row right here. Y'all look at me. So we used, parents used to take things at a department store and take them back to this counter in the back that was called layaway. And they would take this toy that you wanted and they would put it there and then they would pay on it for the next 22 years. You know, <laughs> And then maybe one day they'd get it out of layaway for you. So that was layaway. Anyway, let me me come on back. Let's reel it back in here. But we do that exact same thing to God. We tell him how to answer our prayers. Bible says in verse 11, Jesus announces, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. Now, Jesus is almost kind of doing the same things that the disciples, right? He's really not conveying straight talk with them. But he's not being sarcastic. He wants to teach them a lesson. The disciples respond, Master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get a good rest. And when he wakes up, feeling fine. See, Jesus was talking about death. He knew Lazarus had already died, while his disciples thought he was talking about Lazarus taking a nap. And again, what they're really saying is, "Uh, remember that wanting to kill us all thing? How about sleep? Yes, sleep will help him get better. And then you can still speak that word. But see, unlike the husband in our video, Jesus knows and understood their feelings and exactly what they were saying. So he responds with this point here in verse 15. He says, I'm going, we're going to go because now you will have another opportunity to see who I am that you will learn to trust in me. Perhaps 2020 for the church was another opportunity to see who Jesus is so that we will have an opportunity and we will learn to trust in him. Our trust will not be in our elected officials. Our trust may not even be in our job. Our trust may not even be in our family. Our trust will be in him. And globally as the church, our trust must be in him. Sometimes the greatest opportunities for our growth comes when Jesus leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, that valley of the shadow of death can be in many different ways. It can literally be the valley of the shadow of death. 2020 saw us lose one of our brothers here at the church. A lot of us prayed for him. I prayed for him. can't tell you how many nights I was on the phone with his wife, prophesying and praying that he was going to be Okay. And he is okay, but it wasn't the way I wanted him to be okay. But sometimes that's a great opportunity for growth. How about emotionally? For 2020, emotion, this, this just might be the craziest year. You may have had so much go wrong. You may have lost a job. You may have lost a home. You may have lost a loved one. And emotionally, you're just saying, I don't understand any of this. Financially. Your finances may be in disarray right now. Marriage, maybe you're saying, this is not what I expected. Where's my happily ever after? Parents, maybe you're looking at your kids saying, this is not what the plan that we talked about. This isn't what we did when we dedicated them to you. You're leading me, God. And where are you? I feel like you've left me alone in the shadow of the valley of death. But remember, let's remember what David writes in Psalms 23, 4. And I'm going to read this to you from the Passion Translation. It says, Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness. Think about your deepest darkness. Fear will never conquer me because you already have. You remain close to me and lead me all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. Love this next line. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. Think about that. The comfort of his love takes away our fear. When my daughter was young, um, when she wanted us to hold her, and sometimes it was happy, sometimes it was to take away our fear, she would come up, pat us on the legs, hold her hands up and go like this and say, hold you me, hold you me, hold you me. And they knew she wanted us to scoop her up in our arms. It's funny, my puppy does the same thing. I think he's actually saying, hold you, me. (laughs) But I know for a fact your heavenly Father is looking down on you right now, and he's just wanting you to reach up and say, hold you, me, Father. Daddy, I need you, and he's here to answer that today. The last line of that says, I'll never be lonely for you are near. The word tells us he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Let's come back to our story and look it through the eyes and the feelings of those present. So the scene is this. Jesus is on his way. Martha and Mary are mad. They're they're frustrated. They're sad. They have all these emotions going on because their brother has just died. They sent word to jesus and right now they're feeling like jesus left them alone four days now after lazarus died so i don't know the exact timeline brother gabe and i were kind of kicking this back and forth i think he came up with about six or seven days in his study of the word from when jesus got word till he actually showed up we're trying to figure out time wise of walking and everything so four days after lazarus has died in John 11:39, 39, Jesus finally decides to show up, and that's probably what they were thinking. Okay, oh, now you're here? Mary couldn't even bear to face Jesus, but Martha, who had a little bit stronger personality and didn't mind speaking her mind. I got a Martha. I love her so much. <laughs> Went out to meet her master. And she probably said something like this. Too bad you didn't get here five days ago, right? I mean, let's be for real here you know, when we called you, when Lazarus was still alive. I'm angry at you, but I still believe that God is with you. Sometimes we can be so angry, frustrated, hurt, sad, but we still have to believe that God is with us. He has not left us. How many times do we kind of say that same thing? We question God's timing with our kids' lives, in our own healings, in our family's healings, in our jobs, in our marriages, in our finances. I want to show you this graphic today because I think it speaks miles more than I could even come up with. But Joseph waited 13 years. Abraham, 25. Moses waited 40. Jesus even waited 30 years to step into his glory. If God is making you wait. I think you're in pretty good company this morning. Jesus responds and said, Your brother will rise again. It's almost one of those things, you know, there's there's a couple of times in the Word where we get what Jesus says and it's like, really? You know, like like when um you know he's at the wedding and, and they say, your, your your mother and your brothers are outside, and he says, Um, you know, you guys are my mothers and or bro- my mother and brothers. And it's like, Wow, all right. So sometimes we have to look at the totality of the Word to see what Christ was really saying. So Martha, probably something like this, after he says, your your brother will rise again, probably something like rolling her eyes, you know, got the neck thing going on, and saying, what a terrible thing to say at a funeral. How does that even help me now, was probably what she was thinking. Of course he's going to rise again, she said, in the future resurrection, along with everybody. Remember, we talked about this, you know, a couple months ago when you were at dinner, and we had this great theological discussion about the resurrection. Jesus looks at her and says, "I'm not talking about the future resurrection event. I'm talking about me right now." See, he's trying to impart to her a truth that will carry her not only through this situation but through the rest of her life that she will not only be able to grow in faith herself but help others to grow in faith. He says, "I am the resurrection and the life." He who believes in me, even though he dies physically, then will live physically and will never die for all eternity. And he asks her, Do you believe this? Never really caught all this before, this this before. As I was studying this and I looked at her response in the King James Version in the New King James Version, the NIV, the NLT, which is very close to the original Greek, the message that we all love, the Passion Translation, the green, squishy cover Bible, the Living Bible. Y'all remember them from the 70s? And then even the New American Standard Bible, which is probably one of the closest to the Greek. She never truly answers his question. She kind of talks around it. She says something like, I believe you're the Christ, the promised Messiah. She doesn't answer his question that she believes that he is the resurrection and that her brother can rise now she's probably thinking in her mind this is crazy you know I don't even know why we're having this conversation but how about us today have you been avoiding answering on things that Christ is dealing with you have you been kind of going sideways a little bit like I was in a video this morning just giving God all these nice pat theological nice religious responses What's he dealing with your heart today about? What is he trying to lead you to? Or are you like Jonah, maybe running in the opposite direction of where he's leading you, completely doing a 180? Now, it's real easy, again, to pick on Jonah, but when we look at the beginning of the story, Jonah must have been a dynamic speaker. He must have been someone whom God trusted 100% because he sent Jonah to evangelize an entire city. He had enough faith and trust in Jonah that he, that he sent him to the city of Nineveh. But Jonah, due to personal reasons, said, no, God, I'm not going to do what you say. I want to do what I want because I don't agree with what you're saying. Remember I was praying for that opportunity to preach? Now, I don't want to preach there. Remember, God, I was praying for that opportunity to serve in the church? Well, well, no, I don't want to serve in the parking lot. I don't to go over there and change diapers. I don't want to be an usher. I, I want to lead. I want to be a department head. I want to do this. So they did a 180. Maybe today you're doing a 180 from God. God is trying to pull you in a direction that you don't want to go. You're saying, no, God, I don't want to go there. And just like it didn't work out too well for Jonah, I would ask you today, how's that working out for you? Let's bring it back to our scene today. Jesus says nothing in response. He does not rebuke her. And you need to spend about, I don't know, 42 minutes with Gabe because Gabe's like me, he likes to talk, but he's got good words. And he will give you the reason, the theological and, and social reason why Martha was not rebuked. Jesus says nothing but looks at her with love-filled eyes. They travel to the tomb. Jesus weeps. The people that are standing around there, all the mourners, they're saying and they're wondering, if he loved Lazarus so much, couldn't he have healed him from his sickness? In the back of their mind and probably amongst themselves, what they're really saying is, is he really the Son of God? See, they wanted him not to be the Son of God. They were actually hoping that it turned out this way so that they could prove what they'd been saying all along, that he wasn't the Son of God. Jesus knows that. He doesn't even rebuke them. He doesn't even feed into the negativity. Wow. Social media doesn't feed into that. That was like the social media at the time. They're over here and they're gossiping. And he's probably not even really the son of God. He could have healed him. That was supposed to be his boy. Jesus doesn't even feed into that. He sticks with the positive. He says, take away the stone. Martha's response was probably something like this. For real? Really? Take away the stone. He's dead. If you wanted to say your final goodbye, you should have been here four days ago when we called you, but you didn't show up. You left us alone when we needed you the most. Where were you? Why didn't you come? You left us to fend for ourselves when we needed you the most. As I kind of weave this play in my own mind to you today, some of you this is where you're at right now you're thinking Jesus you left me alone in my illness you left me alone with the cancer in my loved one you left me alone in my divorce I didn't want to be divorced I wanted the happily ever after I wanted to be the best husband I wanted to be the best wife I tried where were you you left me alone when the boss came in and said you're fired or when the boss came in and said the company is closing well, let's make it a little more personal. Maybe you're thinking, you know, you left me alone in my addiction. I don't want to be addicted. No, nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to be addicted to this. Where were you? I tried not to be addicted. I don't want to be addicted now. That private thing that nobody else knows about. Or maybe you're thinking, Jesus, you left me alone in my guilt and my shame, my lust, all the things that are going on that I hide from everybody else. Where are you? I've been praying for you to break these chains. For some of you, maybe it's this. If you were really God, then why? Why was I abused when I was younger? Why was I abused by somebody that I fell in love with? Why would you allow me to go through that pain? Why did my child die? i tell you, I've had to sit and try to answer that one a lot of different times. Why did I lose my spouse, my parents, my loved one? Why can't I find a job? And one that probably, if we're honest, every one of us has at least thought, if not said this year, why won't you make COVID go away? All of these different things. I think that The answer to this is is very simple, and it's not any any great revelation on my part. It's Jesus' own words. It's his words that he spoke to the disciples that he wants to speak to us to say. And he's saying, because now you have another opportunity to see who I am, that you will learn to trust in me. It's my word to you today. It's scripture. It's not me. It's the Lord. And then the greatest part of this story, he says, then he shouted, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus came out of that tomb. Now, next week, we're going to see that the story didn't end there and that there was still work to be done in the way that Lazarus came out of that tomb. But for now, some of you are saying, some of you online are thinking this, that's great. Lazarus came out, I still don't have a job, I still don't have a home, I still don't have a spouse, my parents are still gone, all these different things. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down front, and as they're coming down, my gift of hope to you today is this, I'm going to say a prayer See, I don't have those answers for you. I'm the freedom and care pastor here. I do pastoral counseling, pastoral care, along with a great team. But I don't have the answers for you today, but he does. And just like Jesus said a prayer at the tomb. Now, he didn't have to pray to get the power. He already had the power. But he said, I'm going to pray so that those around will see that you will get the glory. That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to say a short prayer. And my prayer is that for any of you that are feeling, Jesus, where are you? Where have you been? Why did you leave me this day? Why did you leave me this year? Or that other way. If you were really God, then why? Why? And you're carrying that burden. I want you to unload that burden today. I want that burden to fall off today. I want those chains to fall off. Now, it doesn't mean when you go home that everything's going to automatically be fixed. But he's going to give you the faith and the strength to walk through the path that he has you on, that valley in the shadow of death. As I pray today, I want you to have the strength and the courage to meet one of our prayer team down here. Unburden yourself to them. They wanna pray for you. If you're online, type in what you're carrying, that burden that you're carrying. We have online chat right now that are willing to pray for you. Father God, I don't compare myself to Christ, but I compare this prayer to his. I pray this prayer, not that my words will do anything, but that people will see that you have the power Lord, I ask that you would give them strength to come out of these aisles today and come down for the prayer. Unload that burden today. I ask, that, I ask you that you would give them the strength to say, I'm not going to walk out of here with that burden. Even though physically nothing may be changed, I know that you are working in my life. So one, two, three, come out, come down today if you need prayer. I know somebody here needs some prayer. You're carrying that burden. You're walking. It's hard. Come on down. Jesus wants to meet you today. Our prayer team loves you. They're ready and willing to pray for you today. See, the ice has already been broken. Now you don't have to be the first person. I know there's a few more of you. I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but... My teenagers know if this was youth, I would, huh? They know that. I'm not going to call you out by name. But you know that weight that you're feeling. We're going to tarry here. There's an old church where we're going to tarry here just a few more moments as God leads some more of you to come down. Again, if you're online, just please type your prayer request in there. We have chat hosts that are willing to talk to you, that are ready to talk to you. And then your request will be prayed for this week. You may be standing out there, you may be online saying, okay, Tim, that sounded really, really good. Jesus is not going to leave me. He wants me to unload my burden. I don't even know if I know Jesus or I knew him a long time ago. And now he's not really here with me anymore because I've walked away from him. So my, 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 my next question is, if you need prayer just to say, hey, I want to come back to you, Lord, or I want to come back to you and submit my life to you for the first time, just raise your hand. Just simple, simple, raise your hand. I want to pray with you today. If that's you online, just put in there, please, I want to pray that prayer. I want to pray for, I want to pray, I want to return my life to Christ. If that's you today. We're going to say this prayer because I'm thinking maybe somebody online. So say this prayer as Pastor Terry said, nobody should ever pray this prayer by themselves. Heavenly Father, I submit my life to you. I don't know what that path will be, but I want you by my side. Forgive me and lead me on your path to righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.